The Jericho Network on Westwood One. The following program is presented by the Jericho Network in association with Podcast One. Podcast One presents Rock Talk, Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. All the rockers, all the stories. This is incredible. Now, now, here's your host, respected rock journalist, Mitch LaFawn. Welcome to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. I have got a fabulous fabulous episode. First up, it is singer Jeff Scott Soto. You, of course, know him from Ingve Momstein and his time in Journey, but we talk about his new album, Retribution, and the new sort of super group that he's got called Sons of Apollo. They have an album coming out called Psychotic Symphony, and the band includes Ron Bumblefoot Thal, formerly of Guns N' Roses, Mike Portnoy, formerly of Dream Theater, Derek Sherinian, who has played with everybody, including Billy Idol and Ingve Momstein, by the way, and Billy Sheehan. And of course, no need to mention how much of a basis extraordinaire Billy is, of course, having done Talus, Mr. Big, The Winery Dogs, and, yep, David Lee Roth, The Eat'em Smile Era. So we've got, we've got uh, Jeff talking about all those projects. And then we've got him talking about more stuff. He's got a new album with the other band that he does, W-E-T, Wet. It features Robert Saul of Work of Art. And if you haven't checked out Work of Art and you really like sort of a melodic rock kind of thing, they are a band out of Sweden. Definitely, definitely worth checking out. I love their um, three albums they've, uh, they've made. And um, Eric Martinson from the band Eclipse. Another great band out of uh, that part of the world, and it's just melodic rock fest with those guys. So all of that stuff. And then coming back from the break, we have Herman Rarebell, formerly of the Scorpions. He, of course, has a new band as well called Rock Wolves, which uh, came out last year. I really, really enjoyed the, uh, the album. So he's got a second album in the works with them. And he talks about all kinds of stuff about the Scorpions. Uh, very exciting stuff, including a song that he wrote that I've always found to be quite, quite amusing. Now, before we get to Jeff Scott Soto, we are September. The fall is coming. Football is here. All that great stuff. But nothing could be greater than what happened on September 15th at the Chance in Poughkeepsie. John Regan and Todd Howarth, who have a new band called Four by Fate, with Rob Fuso, of course, of uh, Skid Row fame, opened up for Ace Frehley. Yep. And at the end of it, there was a jam, which means essentially you had John, Todd, Richie Scarlett, and Ace Frehley on the same stage, sort of an all-era Frehley's Comet reunion. And it was absolutely glorious. And if those guys don't understand that getting on tour as a package is something the fans want, then I don't know what to tell you. But go to YouTube and go to wherever, check out the photos, check out the videos, to see Todd and to see John and to see Richie and Ace together is sort of a fan's dream come true. And I would love to see it happen more and more, and more, and more. So I don't know who we have to convince. Is it John that we have to convince? Is it Todd that we have to convince? Is it Ace that we have to convince? I don't know. But we need to convince them to put these two bands 
on a bill and tour North America, and then eventually we can talk about South America and Europe and Japan, but get him to New York City, get him to Boston, get him to Detroit, get him to Montreal, get him to Toronto, and come on, guys, this Fraley Comet sort of package tour, you know, 4 by Fate comes out and shakes their bonbons and do what they do, and Ace comes out and does what he does, and then just give the fans that three, four, five song jam at the end, and everybody's happy. And everybody walks away with a big smile on their face. You know, I'm assuming that guarantees it shows for the bands would be higher. So, that puts a smile on their face. And the fans go, hey man, I got to see John Regan and, and Todd Howarth and whatever doing Calling to You or Breakout or New York Groove with Ace and Richie. Wow. I mean, absolutely wow. You, you can't ask for more as a fan. Anyway. Uh, enough of that. Uh, I just had to, to put that out there that uh, the one and only Spaceman should take out the one and only members of Fraley's Comet and just do it right for the fans. But enough of that. Let's get over to Jeff Scott Soto. The new album is Retribution. We talk about that. We talk about Rockstar the movie, his time in Journey, his time in Ingve Momstein, Sons of Apollo, the band Wet, and so much more. So without further ado, here is the one, the only, vocalist extraordinaire, Jeff Scott Soto. We are speaking with singer Jeff Scott Soto. And uh, Jeff, normally at this point, I would list the bands that you've been with, but... <laughs> that take the whole interview. <laughs> that, that would pretty much fill up the half hour that we have. So let's focus on some of the ones right now, and then maybe down the road we'll get into the Ingves and the Takeras and the Human Clay and the Adixels and the yeah, all that. First of all, uh, how the hell are you? Good. Good. Always awesome. good. Got that always, out of the way. <laughs> always a pleasure to talk to you. But, boy, I, I don't even know which one to start because I'm really, really excited about your project with Sons of Apollo, which is yeah. with Billy and, and Bumblefoot. That's, and the songs I've heard are fantastic. But I'm also really excited about the Jeff Scott Soto solo album because Retribution, the songs I've heard, are really, really good. And then I turn around and I go... Wow, they're making a new wet a, a new wet album with Eric Anderson, um, not Eric Anderson, Eric Martinson, yeah, from um, Eclipse, and you did two albums that came out, and it really drew sort of a, a European audience, and it's this great hard melodic rock stuff, and American audiences and Canadian audiences, unfortunately, didn't benefit as much as the European crowds, and so I'm thrilled because I've. Other interviews, I said, are you making a new one? And the answer's always been, well, we'll see, you know, if the moon and the sun align. And, <laughs> and now you've got them all aligned. So, all right, let, let's... <clears throat> hmm. well, let me whittle it down in, in uh, kind of in demographic order. Yeah. Uh, so... The not... Sons of Apollo actually came about last year. I, yeah. I got a... Everybody was wishing me happy birthday and... Uh, uh, last November, and I got an email from Mike Portnoy saying, "Hey, dude, happy birthday! Uh, I'm going to call you in a couple of days and tell you what your birthday present is." And I mean, it's no joke. It's it's kind of funny. I was literally on boarding a plane to go to, to start the TSO tour. We're going to start rehearsals, and Mike calls me and he tells me about the uh, or he reminds me of a band that he had with um, with Derek, Billy, and Tony McAlpine called PSMS, and he said, you know. We're going to do another record. We've been talking about it for the longest time. We that we actually want to make it more 
not commercially accessible, but we want we it, all those records were instrumental. We want to actually put a voice behind it. We want to make songs that are now are vehicles for a singer. And you were the unanimous one that we decided to do this with. And I, I mean, I couldn't be more thrilled. I mean, I, I've been on my bucket list was to do a record, a real record with Billy Sheehan. And of course, Portnoy has been a, a new addition in my life as far as the, the regulars of friends, et cetera. And being one of the greatest drummers in the world, he too was now added to that bucket list. So to actually do a record with these two guys together alone, I would have done it even if we were just farting in the studio for the night for a half hour. That to me was just to be able to do something with them was a thrill. And then you add in the equation of Bumblefoot, who is just from another stratosphere. The guy's from another planet as far as guitar playing. He he is the epitome of of you've heard it all. You've heard every guitar player do it all. The Steve Vai's and and the uh, the kind of spacier guitar players take you to another place. But now Bumblefoot's taking to you you to yet another place. He's kind of all those great players all rolled into one, and then some. And then and of is course, a great singer too. So it adds absolutely, it adds yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody in the band's got a voice. I wouldn't say so much Derek, uh, but Derek is great with melody sense, even though he he doesn't really have the voice to convey it. But when we're actually, and let me cap it off, to have somebody like Derek Sherinian, who's one of the, to me, one of the gods of keyboards, because he doesn't play like a traditional keyboard player. He plays he plays keyboards like a guitar player. And, and it's the way he approaches songs and writing and playing, it's, it, it, it became a bigger monster than I could have even imagined. And so, yeah, going back to Derek, when we were working on the melodies, we did it as a band. We did, he, Mike, and and myself got together. We pretty much structured the melodies and the lyrics together. I I did a good chunk of them coming in, but we formed it into what was more a band sound as opposed to this is Jeff's contribution to what we've already created. And that's why everything about this was really formed as a band. And, and, and they, I, I don't want people to think that this is just a project that we're just, we're doing it just for the sake of doing it, of who we are and what we think we are. This is truly something that we wanted to do. And it you're going to hear it when you, when everybody finally hears the final product, you're going to hear that we went, we set out to kind of carve our own niche out there and not just do something for the sake of putting these names together or putting these talents together. Right. So it's not just PSMS, with a vocalist, it's really Sons of Apollo. This Absolutely. is a band, okay. And that's it had to have its own name. It had to it had to remove itself from the PSMS thing that they'd already branched off from. Kind of like when uh, Neil Sean and I started Soul Circus, it was a it was derived from the Planet Us thing that he had going with Sammy Hagar already. But we had to remove it from that and make our kind of create our own carve out our own niche because. We didn't want it to be compared to what could have been with Sammy or what might have been or right. or maybe even what they already had. It had to have our own stamp, and that's exactly what Sons of Apollo set out to do. And and I like the way that you said that it was on your birthday. So he, he essentially called you and said, hey, for your birthday, I got you me as a gift, right? <laughs> I mean – Really, yeah. I didn't really want – I really want to see it that way. But uh, in the end, yeah, he could have topped it off by jumping out of a cake, but – yeah, or wearing a bow or something, but yeah, yeah, no, I don't want to picture that. But um, no, I couldn't be more thrilled. So basically, that came about before the idea of doing a solo album. The solo album thing came about because I've been talking to Frontiers Records um, during the course of the last Soto tour, right? 
about but, doing. Let a, me just finish new... one thing of Sunday oh, yeah, Popola. Sure. I don't I don't want to cut you off, but I'm going to cut you off. But, um, you know, because you have Bumble, who was of course in Guns and Roses, and they have you know the big ballads and the big things, and you and you have uh, Billy Sheen that did Mr. Big and David Lee Roth. Big, I mean, musically, did you sit down and say we're just going to do? Sons of Apollo, or did you sort of say, okay, this fan base, re, like Journey, we need soaring vocals, we need big punch, you know, hooks and 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 choruses. Like, how did it sort of come together from? Okay, now we've got these guys in a room. Now, how do we turn it into a sound? It was kind of it. It was both a bit. It, it was uh, when I came into it, I thought, okay, when I think of lyrics, when I think of melodies, I'm gonna have to now combine all the different aspects of where these guys come from and roll them into one for them to think or feel that my contributions are going to be, are going to fit in. So I'm thinking, well, let me, let me see. How do I write a song that would sound like a cross between Eric Martin, David Lee Roth, uh, James Labrie, uh, you know, Richie Cotton. I started rolling all these things into my, into one little mold and it didn't really quite come across. It didn't really quite work. Some of it worked, and then when I when I stopped thinking about that equation and started thinking more about the band and more about our identity, it it just it organically just happened. And again, I attribute to everything that we were able to come up with the uh, as far as the melodies and and the way everything formed to Mike and Derek's uh, contributions. Us doing it together gave me a different element that I'm not used to. I'm not, I, I can't stand normally to be in a room with people when I'm singing. I, I, I do all my vocals by myself with a microphone. I have the computer. I, I, I do everything myself. And then I play for everybody afterwards. I say, give me your thoughts. And I'm willing to listen to your thoughts. But in the end, I, I pretty much know what's best for the song, for what I'm doing for the song. With this, I had to take that out of the equation because I wanted to make sure that we were creating something that was us and, and not just, again, like I said earlier, not just me stepping in and saying, hey, guys, this is what I wrote. It's going to stick. See you later. Uh, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll see you for lunch tomorrow. Right. And, the, the, the players with, the, with that pedigree would not have gone with that. They would have been like, yeah, OK, dude, I, I was in dream theater for X amount of years. Let's let's. you know. <laughs> well, yes and no, because to a degree, we do respect each other to right. that to the level of. Dude, I know where you came from. I know where you came from. I know what you can do, and I know what you can what you can actually contribute. But we don't we don't know yet. We don't we haven't created that sound and that niche yet to know what what that is. So instead of me ch- just saying, "Well, this is what I would do for a Soto song and what I would do for a Jeff Scott Soto song," it doesn't necessarily mean what it is what a Sons of Apollo song should be like. Right. So 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 this the message here though is this is not one and done. This is a band. This is going to tour. This is this is something that we're going to see a second album or at least that's the hope. When when those guys told me the big picture and the big plan here and they even asked me to completely keep 2018 free, I knew they meant that they meant business. I mean to for them for somebody like Mike Portnoy who's in like 17 bands to be able to keep the entire calendar year of 2018 open for one band is a huge undertaking. So that to me shows that they are committed and this is going to be a real deal with everything from the label to the uh, it's all the way across the board. It's all real. And so, yes, uh, 2018 is Sons of Apollo's year. 
Yeah, and that and and by the way, that also applies to the other guys because Billy does winery dogs, he does Mister Big, Bumblefoot does Art of Anarchy, uh, you know, Derek's doing stuff. Uh, black, um, what is it? Got uh, Black Country Communion. Yeah. Black Country Communion. So yeah, that's that's actually exciting that they're asking you to stick around, which means they're all going to stick around, which is great. So all right, uh, right. Retribution. The new Jeff Scott Soto. So, before we get to that, talk to me, though, about deciding what songs go in what pile. Because when Sons of Apollo call and say, okay, we're putting an album together, we need some songs, and then you've got this, and you've got Wet, how do you say, okay, this is a Wet song, and this is a Retribution song, and or, or, or are you just that prolific that you can write three separate songs for three separate things and have three separate sounds? Talk to me about that. Oh have to be Mitch but by default I have to be prolific in knowing that because first of all I everything I write melodically and lyrically is all structured to the music that and the feeling I get from the song I mean it's 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 not rocket science I'm sure most singers or most authors who write their own melodies and mo- their own lyrics do it that way you get the vibe and the structure of what you're feeling once you hear the music and since I'm not really a musician, I'm not a songwriter in that sense, where I sit down at the piano or the guitar, I've written quite a few in the past, but I prefer to actually put my, to kind of finish the painting. You give me the canvas, I'll put in the colors. And that's exactly what I, what I do with Wet, and that's what I, do, I did with uh, Retribution. I got all the songs, and then I know what, what they're going to be about based on how they sound and what I hear. And yeah, it's... it's it's uh, it truly is apples and oranges. It's um, with Sons of Apollo. I know I'm not going to be writing a party lyric like you know, like a, a, a typical Van Halen "Dance the Night Away" type of lyric because it's not that kind of band. But I might be able to get away with that more with the JSS thing, maybe a little bit of wet. And because those those things have kind of structured, and we we have carved niches for those other things. I know exactly what to keep subject wise for those items. How is retribution different than the last two Soto albums because I know when we when we talked before and when we talked you know Soto was a band it was four guys it was this and that but it's still Jeff Scott Soto it's still your name how how is Soto the band different from Soto or Jeff Scott Soto retribution um the Jeff Scott Soto stuff is more I think it has more to do with what I've established the past 10 or 15 years maybe even 20 years uh, going back to Talisman and the band Eyes, that is more of a, a Jeff Scott Soto sound where people are, they're, they're going to be more geared towards the melodic rock thing. Um, the Soto thing obviously got a, a lot heavier. I, I wanted to dive into the, the detuned, heavier side of things that I was missing in my career that didn't really work in a Jeff Scott Soto environment. I hate using my name as a, as a third person, but I'm just trying to brand the two diff- different items. Um, going back to a Jeff Scott Soto record, I have to think more melodically, more on the, along the hard rock talisman, melodic rock Avenue and the same with wet. And again, with wet, I don't have to worry about musically because Eric Martinson and Robert Saul, they send me the, the material. They send me the songs already structured. So all I have to do is again, finish the coloring of the, of the canvas. Okay. Or, so, so l- let me talk wet because there's two okay. albums, there's wet and then there's rise up and, and for folks that don't know, it's W dot E dot, right? It's an acronym, and it's for the band Work of Art, which is one of the members, Eclipse, one of the members, and of course, Talisman. And now, first of all, if you haven't heard of Work of Art, Eclipse, or Talisman, you know, 
<laughs> get on to it because th- those be actually cool. are they're, they're great bands, all great bands, all three. Um, but talk to me about about sort of the three the three different band guys coming together and creating a new wet because there was a demand and and after the last one in 2013 it was like eh, you know it, it is what it is but here we are what are we doing on the third well the, technically the fourth if you include the live album right um right. But, but what are we what how is how are you going to work this is this we're, we're doing the record we're, we're dropping it out and then i move on to sons of apollo do you tour it how do you sort of let people know what this is well, because everybody's so, 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 so busy. I mean, Eric is beyond just Eclipse. He is all over the map with different bands, producing, writing, performing, as am I. We never really went into doing a new Wet album. As a, Wet is more of a, a project for, for us and for Frontiers. Frontiers came up with the whole concept of putting the three of us together to make an album. We had no clue that it would stick to the walls as, as well as it did. We had no clue there would be a demand for it. So therefore, we we haven't really put the structure of making it a full-time band behind it based on everything else we're doing. We we do wet when we actually have the time, when we actually have the um, the creative side to be able to put into it. And and you know, it's been five years from the time this thing gets released. It will have been five years since the uh, the last album was released. So yeah, it was time, and we were able to find that time. But on the other hand, we have not found the structure of making that into a live touring act where we're, we're going to put everything on the side like I'm doing with Sons of Apollo. The record company are okay with that. Of course, they would love nothing more than put this man on the road. The fans would love nothing more for the, to see us on the road, but it's just not possible. It's not feasible timing-wise. So, of course, we want to we want to do the music. We want to fulfill a contractual agreement. We want to make the fans happy, all of the above. Timing-wise for touring, it's not quite there yet. But at least we have a new record that I think everybody's going to absolutely love. I, I love the first two records, and I, I absolutely love this new one. I'm, I'm done with all my vocals, and I can't stop listening to it on top of everything else. I mean, I've recorded three albums back to back to back in the course of four months. It's a lot of work, dude. It's yeah. a lot of work. And it's incredibly crazy. Now, the last album, Rise Up, uh, for folks that are hearing about the band for the first time, you know, find it wherever you can find it, Amazon, Spotify, whatever, because that album is, you know, Masterpiece is, is, is a good you. word. I mean, it's a really solid, if you, if you like melodic rock, that is a solid, solid album. Now, we are talking in September. In 2001, this little tiny movie came out um, called Rockstar. And yeah. so we're celebrating its 16th year. Um, I, I know, be- right? Oh my God! It, it's sixteen years. It's it, it's it's strange. Like the other day, I was talking to Mike Tramp, and he said, "Oh, it's thirty years since Pride came out." And I was like, 30 years since <laughs> what?" Yeah, I you know. know? Um, boy, you get feeling old real quick. But talk to me about that movie and your involvement, and you know, it, it's become sort of a cult classic uh, amongst fans, and it it it. it went into sort of the underground and the cult stuff because it was it was released at, at a time where you know i know where you're going with this <laughs> right so well in fact let, let me fill in let, let, let's let you fill in the story okay. talk to me about that involvement and and how you know it ended up sort of falling to the wayside not because of the quality of the film or the content of the film but because of the circumstance um well that's the that's the unfortunate side of 
talking about this movie because every anniversary that comes with it come, also comes the anniversary of, of 9-11, the events of 9-11. Um, as you said, the movie came out September 7, 2001, and this was mere days before the world was turned upside down. And unfortunately, before the movie was even able to find its own stride and, and find its legs, the world shut down at, at, for at least two weeks minimum. The, nobody was interested in going to a movie. Nobody was interested in anything happy or, uh, or distracting. It truly was a glum period for the world, not just the U.S. That movie never had a chance to, to again, to find its stride. I thought the movie was well done for what it was. Yeah, it was kind of cheesy. It had all the elements to make it a bigger vehicle than it became. And luckily and thankfully, it is a cult classic now. You can find it on VH1. It's always playing here and there. Um, people know the songs like they were released by a real band. Steel Dragon songs are known by people as as actual songs from Motley Crue or Van Halen. It's, it's a crazy thing. So my involvement with it was uh, again, I had no clue that this was this thing was going to be what it became. They, when they were filming it, I, I'd worked so many years with Tom Warman singing background vocals for the many albums that he was working on as producer before he retired. And we done. He said one day I'm going to work with you as a as a lead vocalist because we worked so well together in the studio. And when I was doing so many of those great uh, albums, singing backgrounds, Steel Heart, Alita Ford, The Striper, Babylon AD, Pariah. Uh, I did the last album with him before he retired. At this point, the audio dropped out for about a second, but let's get right back into Jeff talking about producer Tom Worman and the movie Rockstar. Because they knew they wanted an ace 80s uh, producer to take care of the soundtrack for this movie. And obviously didn't hurt having buds like Jeff Pilsen and Zach Wilde there that when my name was dropped as a potential singer for the movie, they all said, gotta get Soto. Absolutely, he's in. He's, he's the guy. So it was so easy to work with these guys. It was so easy to just go and do my thing because they let me do my thing. It wasn't really a contrived thing. I had to sound like somebody else or I had to sound like somebody else looked. They, they let me sound like me. And it was so fucking cool for, for the situation at hand that they were doing a heavy metal movie based on my era from where we all came from. And... Uh, it was a drag when I found out later that the directors thought my voice sounded a little more mature, that I should actually be the voice of the original singer, Bobby Beers, and not Mark Wahlberg's character. Because, of course, I wanted to be Mark's voice. He had he had a little more role play in the movie. But I was still thrilled as anything to be a part of it. And uh, for, for it to be, like I said, to be a cult classic the way it is, and for me to be able, 16 years later, to be able to play that song, Stand Up, great song that Sammy Hagar wrote, I couldn't be more proud to be a part of that whole thing. Yeah, and, and and you're right. You know, I will go to a whatever a Montreal Canadiens or whatever a hockey game, or and you'll hear stand up and shout, and, and it's played as if they're playing "Come On, Feel the Noise" by Quiet Riot, or it's that's you know, the biggest kicker. You have no idea when I'm on the road with TSO. It's during NBA season. Sorry to cut you off. It's during NBA seasons, and and TSO does play a lot of the same arenas that are, you know, these these games are going. When they have away games, we play their arenas, and so. But sometimes we have a night off, and they're playing a home game, so we get the privilege of coming getting to see some of these games. 
I'm just sitting there with my popcorn and a drink watching a, a game, and you hear doom, 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 doom. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? There's no better feeling in the world. It's it's hilarious. Um, Ingve Malmsteen, I'll, I'll quickly ask you about that because when you look at his discography and you look at everything he's done, incredible amount of albums, but people keep coming back to the Rising Force stuff. Rising Force. Right. Um, and um, what was the one after? Marching Out, right? Right. Talk to me about those albums and working with Ingve, because in a sense, or correct me if I'm wrong, but the vocalist sort of has to step back because it is the Ingve Momstein show. It is about his guitar playing, and, and that's what the fans want. They want that over-the-top playing and that... But yet, when you look at everything he's done... All the way up to now, people go, that album in 1984 and that album in 1985, that's the classic Ingve. So what was that like for you, and, and, and what memories do you take from that time? Well, sadly, you're right on the, in, on the point of the vehicle is Ingve. The branding, the marquee is Ingve, especially on the first album, since there were only two vocal songs. And those two vocal songs originally were written in a key or in a, as a structured melody that would have worked for him as a singer. Uh, the song Now Your Ships Are Burned was actually an old song from his from back when he was a teenager in Sweden. So he was originally planned to sing those two songs. I think as above, so below, he would have had to done an octave lower because there's no way he would have gotten those stratospheric vo- vocals. I can't even do them now. Um, <laughs> the second album was supposed to, supposed to be structured as a band. Everything about... From, from day one was supposed to be, this is now Ingve Malmsteen's rising force like Richie Blackmore's Rainbow. It was supposed to be a band album, quote unquote. Everything obviously geared, it kind of circled back and geared back towards Ingve being the marquee artist and removing the structure of a band after the fact because <clears throat> he was getting so much attention as the new guitar hero. Um and I think whether it be ego, whether it be the managers at the time, who, whatever the corporate business decision was, it was decided that it was not going to be a band at that point. But you can hear, and that's why those songs stick out so well. They sound like a band unit. It's not, because we rehearsed those songs night and day for weeks while we were writing them, while we were getting them ready to record. It wasn't like Ingve did all the demos, said, learn this, and then we go in the studio and just sing them, like a lot of stuff that he's been doing through the years. The, the fact that it didn't end up that way was one of the reasons I left the band on top of all the other um, non, they weren't paying and the, the payment was already so low to begin with. And the fact that they couldn't even afford to, to give us this money, but others were lining their pockets. Um, maybe Ingve himself wasn't even making the money that he was bringing in. Who knows what those real reasons were, but everything about this, the earlier days of Ingve made me just gave everybody a bad taste in their mouths. We all were, we all wanted to bounce but since the other guys were from Sweden, they they knew the only the only way back or the only way out of this band was to go back to Sweden. I was just down the street, you know, in in San Fernando Valley. It was easy for me to leave the band. So that's one of the reasons why I bounced when I had the opportunity to jump into something else that might be more new, lucrative to where I thought I should have been. Yeah, but and, but it's got it's got to be comforting to know that here we are, thirty years later, oh, yeah. and fans still point to those two and go, yeah, no, that's that's the I, real deal. When I the biggest thrill is when I when I'm hanging out with like Sebastian Bach and as soon as I see him we get eye contact and he starts saying I'm a Viking or when you you hang out with so many people in this industry and that that is my mantra you know that's the one thing that everybody heard me from 
the very beginning. And that's something that I will hold on for the rest of my life because that those were my humble beginnings of where I am today. I respect and I'm so humbled by it because we were just recording songs. We were just doing stuff that this is this was our job. We're supposed to do this. I never in a million years thought 30 years down the road, we recorded a legendary piece of work that it was just going to embody the spirit of heavy metal music. You know, it's 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 a huge compliment to me. Yeah, it really is. And and it's just remarkable that that things take on a life of their own. Now, another thing that I want to ask you about is is the journey experience, but not, hey, you know, you came in and. <laughs> I, I, no, but I want to ask you about what you learned from that, because you've got a guy in there with Neil Sean who's played in Santana. You, whether you had a business arrangement that failed or not, he's still a great musician, so there's got to be something you might have picked up from him. And then also singing those songs, whether it ended badly or not, don't stop believing, faithfully, open arms. I mean, here you are standing on a stage singing those songs. That's That's got to leave an impression on you, I would imagine, right? Oh, huge. I mean, that again, that was everything about my life as a singer, as an artist, as everything I was striving for, everything I ever wanted to be started from a band like Journey. I, Journey, Van Halen and Queen were the epitome of what I wanted out of my life as a, as a as a career choice, not just as a singer. I mean, I wanted to be as big and bold and great as these guys. I wanted the 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 onstage persona of David Lee Roth. I wanted the majesty of uh, Freddie Mercury, and I wanted that that crooning voice of Steve Perry. I wanted to roll all that in one package. So to actually front that band and sing those songs was a huge thing for me. Every night I was up there, I I I, I gave it so much passion because it felt like it just felt like a dream. I felt like I was in my shower or in my car singing these songs every night in front of twenty two thousand people. Yeah, and I got to see one of those shows. Do, do you learn anything though from 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 singing them in terms of song structure or melodies or, or progressions? Because when you look at Open Arms and you look at Faithful, these are not just songs that were on the radio twenty five years ago and people have forgotten. These are songs that touch people's lives. They change Absolutely. people's lives. They get. Do you learn? Does that come into your songwriting? You go ah. Absolutely, okay. I, I, everything I got from those songs back then, I still use and I take with me now. It's 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 just embedded in you. It's in, the same way it's embedded to just the listener or somebody who had a hard time or somebody who was going through a heartbreak. The same thing they get out of those songs, I got out of them and more because as an artist, you want to strive to be that. You 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 get all those influences, all those inspirations, all those bits and pieces that you put together later when you're creating and forming your own thing. Nothing I'm doing is original. Nothing I'm doing is, you know, reinventing the wheel and, and, and starting something like you've never heard before. It's all just bits and pieces of information that I loved and just stuck with me. And Journey was a massive factor of that. Yeah, and then, and you know, I saw that one show at the uh, Saratoga Performing Arts Center. It was Journey and... I actually forget who was on the bill. It was Journey and somebody. Um, well, would have been Def Leppard probably, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. What a great performance. I mean, what a great night. That was... Oh, yeah. And that, again, Def Leppard been a, a favorite of mine since since the High and Dry record. So to be on the road with these guys, they're all sweethearts. We got along great. We, we you know, chatted with each other every day. It was, it was such a brotherhood on that tour. And I, I mean, I, I have nothing but great memories about my time with the band until the, you know, until I was let go. Yeah, and listen, that, that happens in this business. Unfortunate. We don't like it, but... 
you know. Yeah, it is what it is. You it know, is you what would... it is. But now it let it gives us Sons of Apollo, and it gives us retribution, and it gives us the fact that you, you move on. So it, exactly, it, it's all good in the end. Now, ten uh, years since, you know, it, it's, I don't, I don't even, I don't even remember what went wrong because I really don't care. It's, it's just time to keep going. Well, listen, there is one person on this conversation that has played in Journey, and there is one person that hasn't, and, <laughs> right? And and uh, you know, one guy's got a really cool story and one guy doesn't. So that's the way I look at it. From my perspective, whether it lasted for ten years or two years, hey, that's a you you got a you got an anecdote for life. You got you got some stories, so that's good. Um, right. Uh, Joel Hoekstra of Whitesnake. Uh, you know, I'm gonna start wrapping this up, but I would be remiss if I didn't mention Joel. Absolutely. We all love Joel. Absolutely. And, um, I want to talk to you about the album 13, Joel Hoekstra's 13, that you did with him. And first of all, I'm so glad you're not working with him right now because I need a new White Snake album, and so I need him not distracted. So, <laughs> so good. But, but just talk to me about Joel. I mean, he's obviously doing the stuff now with Cher. He's done the Trans Siberian Orchestra, uh, Night Ranger, White Snake, and then you guys, uh, you know, you worked on, you played on his song, on his album. Um, what's it like working with Joel and and just being part of that. I've known Joel for quite a few years. We met doing uh, one of the scrap metal gigs. He, uh, the Nelson brothers have a little all-star side project. Yep. Called, uh, Fun gigs. Fun yep. gigs. And we met there. And even then, he was virtually unknown. This is before Night Ranger even. He had something about him that I just knew. I knew that guy was special. I knew he his playing, his style, his, his he the way he graces the stage i knew something was going to come of this guy from day one from the first minute i met him and to see his growth and to see what he's that guy's works so hard and he pushes and fights so hard to leave his own mark i couldn't say anything but praise for for what he's done for his career and i i'm so proud to still be a part of that um joel worked together with me on my Lost in the Translation album, he wrote two great songs on there, appeared in two videos with me on that. And so, yeah, he pretty much did the favor back and reeled me in for the 13 album, which was a great record. The songs I got to sing were just incredible. And I, I truly do hope that we have more in us to, to go into the future together. Of course, I'm, I'm busier than piss right now, so I can't imagine myself adding one more thing to my plate. But yeah. I, I truly think that Joel and I will will have uh, a lot more together in the future. Good, and and I'm glad that you're busy because I need a White Snake album, and I just cannot have Joel distracted at this moment. So, you know, we'll you get can there. Have him for now. <laughs> we can have him for now. Uh, so there we go. So so Retribution, by the way, comes out when? Let's let's do all the plugs. November 10th is Retribution. Um, October. October 20th is Ooh. Sons of Apollo. So Sons of Apollo beat my release by 10 days. And you're going to get the new Wet album. I believe we're going for March of 2018 next year. But don't quote me on that. Right. So a lot, a lot of, of Jeff Scott Soto coming up. Too much. Too much even for me. Too much even for you. But it, it's great. And always a pleasure. It's it's great. It's just great. Dude, always an honor to speak to you. We, you... You, you always do your homework, and we have so much to talk about. We, I could talk for two hours with you. Maybe someday we'll do that. Yeah, absolutely. We could do two hours. And, and I, you know, listen, you have an incredible history and pedigree, and we could have gone easily two hours on all that stuff and broken down every single band. and every. <laughs> but I think it's really important for folks to check out Sons of Apollo because I've heard some of the songs, and this is not just some super group with no chemistry trying to pretend – this is a band that has a sound and the songs are great. 
you know, the, the retribution is great. And if you haven't heard of Wet, ugh, get on Amazon, get on Spotify, discover the band, because those two albums and the live album too are just great pieces of melodic rock. If you like melodic rock, you like Bon Jovi, Def Leppard, Whitesnake, that stuff, you will like the Wet stuff, guaranteed. And, you know, let me just add to that. I mean, thank you for all the, the accolades there, but let me just add to it that I wouldn't be doing all of these things if they didn't all have the same level of quality. I, I Everything I do with each one of these, it, it's nothing sacrifice. I'm putting my all into each and every one of them. And just because I had to do three albums in four months, you're not going to hear any kind of sacrifice whatsoever. I'm putting everything into them and just give them all a shot. And you're going you're, you're gonna to hear that it's nothing is skimping on any one of these things. Yeah, and hopefully we will uh, see you in Canada on the road with either one of these projects or solo or whatever. Get up here. We'll make it happen. And uh, awesome. thank you. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Mitch. Thank you, you sir. Rule, thank right. you. You too. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaVon. Mitch LaVon. Mitch here. Are you in the market for a new car and want to see what others have paid? Well, in order to feel comfortable that you are getting a fair price, you need pricing context. Information that empowers you to feel confident. With True Car, you will see what other people in your local market paid for the car you want. From there, you can connect with a local True Car certified dealer and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Using True Car, you can easily find the car you want. True Car will show you what other people in your area paid for the car you want. Now you know what a fair price is, you can feel confident. Once you register, you'll see real pricing on actual inventory. This is competitive pricing offered to you only by True Car certified dealers for an actual vehicle on their lot. It's pricing you'll see before going to a dealership so you can feel confident when you show up. With True Car, you can connect with a local certified dealer of your choosing so you can enjoy a quick, easy buying experience. True Car customers are more likely to enjoy a faster buying process when they connect with True Car certified dealers. True Car users save an average of $3,000 off MSRP. When you're ready to buy, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Podcast One Sports presents Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast. Every Tuesday, you can hear Jack Harbaugh. We're going to attack this day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. Jim Harbaugh. What the hell's going on around here? And JT Rogan share their stories from on and off the field. Past guests include John Harbaugh, ESPN's Adam Schefter, and Pardon My Takes, PFT, and Big Cat. So don't miss an episode of Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast. Every Tuesday, exclusive exclusively on podcast1.com and the new podcast one app just a sample of what's coming to podcast one sports now back to rock talk with mitch lafon welcome back to rock talk and before we head over to our next interview i've got a special surprise guest for you a man who spent a quarter or nearly a quarter of a century with the scorpions the one the only drummer James Kotek. James, always, always a pleasure. Well, hey, man. How you doing, man? Good. 
Good. So Good. You, you spent an enormous amount of time with the band. Now, we're not doing an interview here. This is not a full... This is just a welcome back to the rock world kind of update. So, you we're, know, what's been going on for the last year? And, and, you know, I saw you tweeting the other day that you're back and Kotak is back and you've got music coming and all kinds of stuff. So just sort of fill in the details and... Uh, Let's see what we've got. Well, I never, I, you know, I never really went away, and I'm so thankful and grateful for all the time I had with the Scorpions. I mean, talking about a dream come true. And uh, but the last year, I just kind of had to. I finally took, and after 30 nonstop years of rock, 35 actually, I just said, "Man, I need, I need a break. I have to get away from this, and and just, I have to focus on James, make James healthy, and get him like back to." hundred percent, you know, cause even when you're with a great band, like the Scorpions, you do burn out. And, um, I was fortunate to, you know, come out where I am now. So the last year has been a lot of just healthy living and I, I swim, I ride my bike, that's a bicycle and I do walk and just I, enjoying life. Plus, I, you know, time with the kids and, uh, that was super mega important. They're all grown. They're like 27, 24, 20, but it was just a time to kind of like, reboot figure out what what i want to do next and uh you know i did do some playing and here and there um but for the most part it was like take a break and step back and and it's the best thing i've done ever and um so that leads me to today where i'm just kind of like in the last couple months i was like going you know i'm getting really antsy here and i want to do something and i want to do something big and so here we are and that is i want to do a new kotak album yeah, and and you know, you and I have spoken off air about this this new Kotak project. You you in the past it was more sort of a, a punk rock kind of thing. You're going to try to sort of change that that a bit, right? You're you're going to change what Kotak is. Yeah, I don't have this, uh, some of the elements, but you know, I've just kind of gotten the the last batch of songs I came up with because uh, I play I write on guitar and dude, I suck on guitar, but I look really cool when I do play. Um, but it was, uh, it, they're like a little more mainstream rock, a little more hard rock, I'd, I'd like to say. And, um, but still I have elements of the punk part in there just a bit enough to, it'll never go away. And uh, that was always, you know, in the albums before when I had time off from Scorpions, the, I would, you know, do this to keep occupied and I just write songs a lot, you know, and, uh, it was a great outlet for me. And, uh, that's that. Now, in terms of, because, you know, in September you, you tweeted out saying, hey, you know, do you want new music? And the fans responded overwhelmingly, yes, 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 we want to do this. So we're, we're really at the sort of the genesis of, of this idea. When do you think it'll come out? And, and, and how do you see it coming out? Well, um, you know, uh, we're just doing some pre-production now, actually just chiseling down, picking out the songs, and um, hopefully get all the recording done by say late November, you know, and, uh, and, uh, you know, hopefully get it out in, you know, spring, early spring. And, uh, you know, anymore, you know, it's not about the album sales or anything like that. It's more, let's get this out, present it and then go tour. And that, that's where I thrive on, you know, touring and, uh, you know, hopefully hit Europe and, and America, Canada, of course, Anything we anywhere we can, they have electricity, we'll go play, and uh, <laughs> that's what I want to do. But I'm also gonna, you know, 
because a lot of people said, well, why are you playing guitar? Well, I'm figuring out a way to where I'm going to do both. <laughs> uh, play drums a bunch and uh, also, because I am a drummer and I'm pretty good, I think. And um, Yeah, reasonably. So, sing and play guitar. <laughs> I love to, and I, yeah, I love it. Well, you know uh, what I find interesting? Because um, Joey Belladonna <laughs> of um, Anthrax, he does these uh, solo tours. I think it's called... Uh, Chief Big Way, I think, is the name of the band that he goes out with, and he sits <laughs> yeah. behind the drums with a microphone, you know, sort of at that, you know, the Britney Spears style microphone, and he drums. And so there, there, there certainly could be a, a a way for you to do a few songs behind the kit with that mic, and then oh, get absolutely. out there, you know. And now, but as far as the album goes, is it going to be you in the studio doing all the drumming and all the guitar playing, and then you bring in a bass player, or even you do the bass? Or is it a band where you've got, here are these four guys, and we are all got our parts, and we've all got our purpose, and that's how we're going to make it? We'll have a producer friend named Bruce Robinson, who uh, is also a bass player, and he's really good at the studio. And then we have an engineer, of course. And then um, I, I write this stuff on guitar, but honestly, I'm just not good enough or qualified to do the recordings in the studio. I always p try to play on it, and then... Uh, <laughs> Inevitably, some of my parts will be there, but I always have, like, if you recall Rick Steyer from Kingdom Come, uh, he was the guitarist in there, and he played with Warrant. Uh, he generally translates everything that I write, and we sit there and go through it and make just general tapes. And then when we're, we go in the studio, he actually does most of the recording. But then also, since I put out the things uh, asking who who's, what thinks I should do another Kotak album, I was actually approached by... Uh, several different guitars saying, hey, man, if you need a guitar done and vocalist, I was really flattered with that. So these days, you know, you can be in Montreal, for example, and be a guitarist and we can send you the track. You can play on it and send it back. And that's uh, how genius is that? You know, Yeah, it's great. You know, in, in 2013, I, I was part of this Kiss tribute that I did and um, we did it through this Pledge Music thing. And Everybody was in different parts of the world, and we just sent each other the tracks. And you know, Bumblefoot did his guitar in one place, and this guy did his drums in the <clears> other, <throat> and Rex Brown did the bass, and and that's how it is now. You don't you don't need to all Isn't physically be yeah. You don't have to be physically in the same room. So I'm very much looking forward to this, and I'm also very much looking well, forward to a full interview where we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about ultraphobic, and we're going to talk Absolutely. about um, you know Kingdom Come, and and by the way. Uh, you know, Kingdom Come, a band that 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 lives in infamy. I mean, it, it's just a, a great, great band. There's got to be a reunion at some point. I don't know why you people haven't gotten around to it, but we'll discuss that at a later date too. What, wait a minute. What do you mean, you people? <laughs> you people. Uh, the hell? I've been, I've been talking. We we actually had some things going, and we were going to do something in 2013, but then the Scorpions decided to not say farewell and we continued on. So uh, there's only so much time. So I had to put it off, but there's some talks and man, dude, it's been on, on the, at the top of my list. I've been wanting to revisit that for so long, but thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, but, but you should, I mean, it should be revisited. And, uh, you know, in fact, before I, before I say goodbye, can I ask you just one thing about the Scorpions? And that's just, of course, you know, you were with the band for almost a quarter of a century, which is in itself, you go, wow. I mean, that's, you know, the band is, is celebrating 52 years or 50, 52 years now. And you were there for, <laughs> you were there for half of it, quite frankly. But oh, well, you know, what's so funny is everybody goes, you know, I was always kind of like the new guy. 
actually Herman was in the band. Herman Rarebell was in the band for 17 years. So I beat him by four, but I'm still the new guy. So and you're still funny. the new guy, but you know, when you <laughs> took the break and, and, you know, to get, to get healthy and all that stuff, had they brought in anybody else, you know, like Mike Smith of Albany, we all would have been sitting going, all right, you know, bring James back. But they got Mickey D. I mean, they had to go, they had to go, you know, extra level to be able to replace you. That That's got to feel good to know that they couldn't just pick up some schlub. They had to really, you know, shoot for the stars to yeah, replace and, you. Yeah, dude, Mickey's, Mickey's a great drummer, man, and a nice guy to boot. And uh, I, he, he's, he's great, but... I, you know, it was a funny process because last April, uh, or the April of 2015, was it 16? Um, you know, we had to cancel some shows because unfortunately Klaus got sick. And then we had like, we were going to face with like a few months off. And I was like going, geez, well, what am I going to do? So I started on my situation. And then it came to where there were some shows and my situation wasn't complete. So they brought him in, which is, was cool with me. And then, you know, just time dribbles by. And next thing you know, it's August and then September. And then they were doing South America and I didn't want to do that. And then there's only a handful of shows left. And then it was like, okay, the year's over. So then we kind of talked and it just was kind of like, eh. it was just kind of mutual. It's not like they said, hey, hit the bricks. And, um, but it, it was what it was. But it just goes it to show it that they... they... It just goes to show to me, uh, and, and I see it as sort of a, a, as a respect, that they just couldn't replace you with some guy that they got off a of star search. Yeah. They had to go get <laughs> like this marquee name, and, and uh, you know, it's like, wow, you can't just replace James with, you know, Bob from Beaumont. You have to step up and, and well, you know. Funny enough, they had also, they, they talked to Jason Bottom. And I'm like, oh, geez. Get the new the guy for replacing me is is a bottom. Yeah, but yeah. that didn't happen. <laughs> that didn't happen. But hey, so. you got you got a D, so that's pretty that's pretty sweet. Anyway, we <laughs> you know thank you for the quick update. Always always a pleasure of talking to you. It's been God twenty five years or so of talking. I mean, uh, all the way back to the I mean, <laughs> ultraphobic days, and uh, oh, I know, and that's still one of my favorite albums. Well, you know, it's yeah, funny man. about that album because, and and I know we're not doing a full interview, but. But that album, when it came out, people went, "Ugh, what is this nonsense?" And now we are twenty years later, and people go, "Wow, we we were we should have paid more attention because it really is a great album. If maybe just maybe the wrong album at the wrong time or whatever, but it's a great album. It uh, really is a great album." Uh, yeah, well, thank you, and and uh, I, I really I I wrote like four songs on it with Janie, and was very proud of that, and. Uh, you know, you're exactly right. Like I, I forgot who said it, but three steps ahead, asshole. One step ahead, genius. And this album was, like you said, wrong time, wrong place. But it's it grew on me, man. Over the years, I go back and go, wow, that's pretty good. And the band was just great. And uh, you know, yeah. it was it was one of my favorite albums. Yeah, and you know, a lot of bands have that too. Even um, even the Scorpions, you know, face the heat that came out in in ninety. 394 it just right people were like meh you know and you look back at it now and you hear songs like someone to touch and lonely nights and you go wow I know. And, and it's just that's that's the way the music business is it's not always that it's bad it's just bad time and right uh, ultra yeah. face the heat all these bands but glad to see you back 
And let's let's well, thanks, give the plugs. Where where can folks find you? What is the Twitter? What is the what, you know Instagram, Facebook? Let's let's oh. let's hit the plugs. Cool. Um, at, uh, Twitter is at J Kotak. Facebook James Kotak and Facebook fan page James Kotak. And uh, I'm actually on LinkedIn James Kotak again. And um, let's see. Let's go. I'm not so active on Instagram, but uh, I do have my website, which is in construction reconstruction but it's still up that's of course www.jameskotak.com and i'm sure there's something else so uh hey google me <laughs> yeah that's that's the e- that's the easiest one right <laughs> if you want to find mitch lafon go to the google exactly. uh, or if you want to find james hey, go it, to the google yeah i wanted to say just what you've been doing all these years and all the interviews and all the stuff i just really find it super attractive it's super awesome and you're always professional and i really dig what you do yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for that. And and I've always appreciated what you do. And it's been uh, twenty Thanks. some years of of of, of chit chatting and and, but it, it's been a long, long time. But uh, always, always a pleasure. And I look forward to sitting down with you for like forty five minutes and and deconstructing Unbreakable and Eye to Eye and and Kingdom oh Come God, yeah. and, and all of those stuff. And by the way, there you go, Unbreakable, another one of those albums. Great album, <laughs> perhaps wrong time, but Blood Too Hot. I mean, come on, give me a break. Oh, my God. Yeah, right? Great one of the song. greatest, One of the greatest Scorpion songs that 99% of the fan base have never heard. Right? Uh, you're right. Sadly. Thank you, James. We shall do this again. And I... a great, great update. And glad to hear that you are in great, great spirits. Thank you. And thank you so much for the time. Cheers. This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFond. Mitch LaFond. Always a pleasure to hear from uh, James Kotak. Known him for many, many years. Glad to see that he's back in the saddle. To uh, to borrow from Aerosmith, he's back in the saddle. But uh, now I feel I owe you an, a, a, a Scorpions drummer interview. Okay. So I owe you a Scorpions drummer interview. So why don't we go back to the original drummer, the guy that was there for all the big hits in the 80s, Herman Rarebell. So without further ado, we are going to talk about Herman's new band, Rock Wolves, and we are going to talk about uh, all kinds of stuff, including one of my favorite songs that he wrote. So without further ado, here is drummer extraordinaire, the one, the only, Herman Rarebell. We are speaking with Herman Rarebell, formerly of the Scorpions, currently in the Rock Wolves. And Herman, I've told you this many times before, that Rock Wolves album is absolutely fantastic. Thanks a lot. You know, I'm very happy that you think so, and I have a lot of compliments from all over the world, and I'm very happy about it. I also thought it was a killer rock album, and uh, as uh, Rudolph and many other people said, if this would have come out in the 80s, it would have gone straight to number one, you know. But, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm very proud of it. Talk to me about how you approach a song, because you, of course, have written a lot of the great Scorpion songs. You, you, you know, Rock You Like a Hurricane, Make It Real. Uh, my personal favorite, Passion Rules the Game. I think that song is just fantastic. Yeah, that's my wife's favorite song, Claudia. You know, it's her favorite song of all the Scorpion songs. I, I just love that song. And, you know, when they did it on Savage Immune, or you did it on Savage Immune, it was great. But then the Scorpions also redid it on this MTV Unplugged thing yeah. from two. And that version, uh, live acoustic and then the uh, studio edit, that song, it just holds up. Such a great song. But 
But talk to me about approaching, you know, the songwriting process. Because when you write for Rock Wolves and you're doing songs like Inside Out and Rock for the Nations, you're not doing it for Klaus's uh, voice. So no. Is that how you approach songs? Did you write for the singer's no, voice? Okay. Absolutely no, because I have an old songwriter friend of mine. His name is Thomas Renowski. And Thomas was the first guy assigned to uh, Monaco Records back in 1996. So since that time, we are, became friends and also songwriter partners. And I listened to all the material um, Thomas wrote lately, and I picked five songs I liked very much. And two of them you named, uh, Inside Out. Also, you know, I picked When the Lioness Loose, I, I Need Your Love, and you said, you know, Inside Out. Then we have, of course, you know, uh, on the album, Rock for the Nations, and another song I wrote uh, with, with, with Thomas, let me think it was the fifth song. Uh, um, I need your love. The Lioness Loose, one of my favorites. Yeah. Side out. Then we have also on the album, Thomas and Me, uh, Rock for the Nations. What was song number five? I have to take the album. Just a second. Well, I have it in front of me. We got Surrounded by Fools, Out of Time, um, What About Love is the Heart Song, The Blame Game, Riding Shotgun, Nothing's Going to Bring Me Down, I Need Your Love, and Lay With Me. Those five songs, The Blame Game, I wrote with Thomas. And then when we started to make the album, obviously I wrote some songs also with Goodser and with Michael Foss, our producer and guitar player. So uh, all I was involved in all the songs, actually, except What About Love, as you know, uh, this is many years back, but I phoned Phil uh, Jim Valens uh, in Canada, by the way, and we spoke, and he likes our version very much, so we have the green light from him, too. So so talk to me about Rock Wolves, because when it came out uh, earlier, it seemed to be sort of an in-between between the Temple of Rock stuff, the Michael Schenker yeah. stuff. Now it seems to be really morphing into more of a band. You, you've done that show in your hometown in Saarbrücken. You're looking at... Um, album number two. Sort of what is the, 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 the hope for Rock Wolves? Well, the, actually, basically, I just want to play with that band. That is my main aim, you know. So I have right now a new agent, you know, his, his name is really Rader, and he has a rock uh, a, a website, you can check it out, classic-rock-nights.com. When I say minus, I mean the, the minus sign in Germany. Right. The, uh, uh, what do you call it? The um, dash. Dash. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say it in French. I was going to say très d'union, but no, the dash. <laughs> the dash. It, yeah. yeah. It's a, so this is like uh, classic-rock-nights.com. And he has on there, he has Slade and he has the Hollies and he has Susie Quattro and 10CC. Basically all those bands from the 1980s and he makes every year in Germany and in, in Europe basically classic rock festivals and he approached me and he said fantastic gig in Saarbrücken uh, I would like you to be on my rooster and next year I'm planning some classic rock festivals would you like to play there I said yes of course the perfect way for me to introduce my new band Rock Wolves to the public. So next year in 2018, I'm going to probably play concerts with those bands I just named uh, under this rooster because I think this will be the audience I have. Classic rock people from 40 onwards. And those, and then when you do a festival like this in Germany, you have probably 10, 15,000 people who come there. But 
uh, this is good fun, and I think for me the perfect opportunity to introduce Rockwolves in Europe to the festival audience. And that's what I'm going to do in 2018. Yeah, and hopefully the North American audiences won't be too far behind. Yeah, yeah um, he has. He has offer. He had already a promoter from Florida contacted him after he sent out, you know, and he wanted to book me, but we haven't heard from the guy back. I guess he has. He has problems with the with the catastrophe there. So, but he asked me also, you know, would you like to play more? And I said, yes, yeah, no point for me to come over just for one show to Florida. Try to get me at least 10 or 50 gigs in America. That's what they're working on right now. So probably after Europe, I can go over there, introduce the band there too. But at, same as you, all my American fans told me the same thing. They love rock work. So I yeah. seem to be on the right uh, direction. Yeah, and, and the way I've I've said it, and like Rudolph, is that if this had been released in 1987 or 1988, it would have been one of these melodic rock records that rose to the top, because it's very well constructed, and and your songwriting, just looking at the songs you wrote with the Scorpions, has always been on point. You seem to have a knack to find the hooks and the the choruses and and the stuff that people love. So, um, now, we do have the second Rockwells album coming out soon. But what about Temple of Rock? You you did a lot of work with them. Now it seems to not. Is that still something that you're a part of? Is that something no, that you've... you? It doesn't. <laughs> Let's be honest here. I know Michael all my life. We right. know each other since we've been kids. You know, I know Michael was always unpredictable. When he told me on the sixth of February, two thousand and sixteen, when we did the last gig in Oslo, in, in Norwegian. He said to me, uh, I was very surprised, I would like to do something with my three ex-singers, you know. Uh, so I, I said, okay, if you want to do this, do this. So I'm, I'm assuming he takes a year off. But now he tells me he, wants, he would like to do a tour in the fall in England with this. This is now in England. And he would like to do some more gigs with, with, with the MSG. So I let him do what he wants to do, and I'm sure next year, in 2019, probably even in 2018, I'm going to get a call, what are you doing, let's do another album. So I'm ready for that too. If I'm on tour with Rock Wolves, I'm going to tell him also the same thing. Look, Michael, I have no time right now, I'm touring with Rock Wolves, uh, maybe we can do something in 2019 again. So I cannot sit here and just wait until he decides to do the next album. Right, which is which is fair. Um, yeah, come on. We know each other. I said, do you sing uh, and uh, phone me up when we continue. If I'm if I have time, no problem. If I do something else, then you have to understand. I have to fulfill that too. So it's, everything is cool, you know. Michael is Michael, you know. And and you, and he, you know he's great and. He's the best. He, I tell you what, he got voted in, in Japan again as best guitar player, as you know, uh, and every year is the same thing. And I mean, there's a lot of great guitar players out there. You know, let's start with Jeff Baker or Brian May or Jimmy Page or Eric Clapton. And he's voted in Japan always in front of them, always number one. So I think, you know, having the honor playing with him and with Uli Ross and with Matthias Japs, I think I've probably played with the best guitar players around at the moment. Yeah, you really have. And and but the other, and the other thing that was exciting about the Temple of Rock was the fact that you had uh, Francis Buchholz in there too. So you sort of had a, a threesome of, of Scorpions yeah. guys yeah. in there. Um, before we get to 
some of the past stuff. You know, recently, you know, in the last year, the Scorpions brought in Mickey D. I, I just want to get your thoughts on that because Mickey, you know, he, it's not just like Mike Smith from Albany. They went in and got a guy who has a lot of pedigree, a lot of talent, and just excites the fan base. Looking at from your perspective, you were in that drum seat. How do you see the addition of Mickey D? I, I think it was a poor business decision, you know. Look at it like this. If they would have taken me back in the band, the first thing I would say to them, okay, I'm back, fine. Like in the old days, let's split it four ways. This would not be possible because they are paying Mickey as a hired gun, the same they did with James. With me, they can't do that. With me, I'm, as you know, a full-time original member. Also a writer, a major writer in the band. So I don't think Klaus, you know, would ever take me back singing my lyrics again. Hello. Rudolf probably Matthias, yes, but from that point, the next difficulty would be then they have to split the money four ways, not three ways. And I don't think they're going to do this in their old days. I think the way they're looking at it, this could be the last tour, really. Klaus turned 70 on the 25th of May uh, 2018. So I think, you know, the days are numbered there. Wow. And, and I guess you sort of answered my follow-up question. You know, did you want to join back or, or were you disappointed that you I weren't I would have asked? joined back, of course, you know, and yes. I, because there's nobody who can play my songs better than myself. I created them. I created the drum beats and everything. But look, I'm not a guy who's going to phone there 10 times. They knew I was available, but I know also the problems which I just said to you. They will never split the money four ways again, you know, and the, like, the next thing is, you know, I probably would say, hey, why don't we write some lyrics together again? And Klaus would never sing any of my lyrics again. After Wind of Change, the change was there, okay? This year marks the 40th anniversary of Taken by Force, which, yeah. which to me I think is one of the greatest albums. And when you look at that, Steam Rock Fever will burn the sky, I've got to be free. I mean, it's song after song after song that's just absolutely wonderful. Um, 40 years on, how do you look at that album? I, I tell you what, you know, I, I look at all those albums with great pleasure because I think they're all great albums. All the eight studio albums are played on up to 1996 are killer albums. And probably the best ones were done in the late 70s and in the early 80s, as we all know. Those albums were done out of really conquering the world, and that was the Scorpions, you know. And when I watch the band now after I left, it has become a different band. What I miss the most is the passion. Uh, when I see them play, I miss the passion. And so I talked about this to Matthias. We, only, we met about a month ago on the 19th of August. My wife Claudia had a birthday and Matthias came with, with Beate, his wife, and we, we talked about this. So they play the gigs, obviously, you know, but that passion we had in the 80s when you saw, that is for me totally missing. Was it a... a pleasurable experience taken by force or was it somewhat confusing because Uli had said listen I'm leaving we're done yeah did that sort of spoil the album no, no. I tell you you have to hear the story from before when Michael Schenker told me back in 76 in the winter time I think it was November December my brother has a band called the Scorpions they're coming over from Germany they're going to play the Marquis Club here, and the day afterwards, they do an audition at the Sound Circus for drummers. Why don't you go there? 
I think you fit good on there. It was Michael who got me in the band, as you know. Michael was then already in England, a big superstar with UFO. He had already Doctor Doctor and Lights Out and all. I went to that audition, and Rudolph said to everybody, "Okay, we play songs with three songs with you all." But most drummers, he said already after the first song, thank you for coming, don't call us, we call you. You heard that? So they said the same thing to me, but I was one of the few who played three songs. And it was actually Uli Ross who said, wow, this drummer is great, I would definitely take him, you know. So he had a big say. But when I saw the band in the Marquis Club, I saw two bands. I saw Uli Ross and the Scorpions, very Hendrix-influenced music. And I saw the rest of the band, very melodic hard rock, like Uriah Heep and those bands who were around in the late 70s. So uh, this is the two bands. And I told this also to Rudolf and we went out together. I said, you have to decide which direction you want to go because I see two directions in the band. And when Uli said to us in Japan, that's it. I'm going to make my own band. I'm going to make Electric Sun at the time. And I want to make more Hendrix-orientated music. I was happy. I said to Rudolf, finally, now we can move in one direction. And as you know, Michael Schenker at the time left UFO and was in Hanover and being old friends. I was the one who said to him, why don't you play on the album Love Drive and then you can still do your own thing or you want to join us. And when he played Love Drive, I said to Rudolf, it's your brother. I talked to him. He's the perfect guitar player for us. He's killer. And as you know, that was he, when he played on Love Drive, you can hear the difference. I mean, a killer player. So for me, this would have been my favorite Scorpions lineup at the time. But Michael had his own plans and he didn't show up anymore to gigs. So I again was the one and said to Rudolf, look, we have to make a decision here. We need a guitar player we can rely on. I love you, brother, but coming in and out of the band is not good. And Matthias was the same. He said, come on, guys, make up your mind, either me or him. I cannot come and replace him every two weeks. Then he comes back in the band, then he leaves again, then he comes back. Make up your mind. So that's how all this was in 79. Yeah, and, you know, you still talk to the guys. And look, I, look, I talk to Rudolf often, you know, Matthias, you know, when I'm in Munich, I'm now in England. As you know, I go back and forwards the whole time. And when I talk to Matthias, it's it's just like old times. But the reasons, you know, uh, why we cannot work like before is for me only financial. I think the money holds them back to make decisions. Uh, that, that, That took Mickey because he came from a famous band, so they have another name. They probably thought, oh, with him we can sell extra tickets. The way I look at it, I don't think there is a great interest to play with me again because of those reasons I said to you. If it would be poorly artistically, I'm sure the decisions would be different. Well, but in terms of making a new album, it certainly would be a good decision. But uh, what I was going to get to with Michael and Rudolph is that Michael, especially in the last few years, has attacked his brother constantly in the media. Yeah. Is that something that has been longstanding? I mean, when he comes in for Love Drive, is it, you know, fight, fight, bicker, bicker, bicker? Or is this something that came out later? Later. I told him, I said, look, Michael, as you know, you're really good friends. And this is the truth what I'm saying. I said to Michael, if you attack your brother in public, the public will think that you're small-minded because they think you are jealous of the success of your brother. I said, look, you can tell me 
you are the better guitar player. I know that, the rest of the world knows that. But how many hits did you write? I said, your brother is a great writer. I know that because I wrote many of those hits together with him, as we all know. Blackout, Walk You Like a Hurricane, Make It Real, you name it. So he then stopped looking at me and he said to me, but he ripped me off and it shouldn't be done by a brother. I said, look, talk to him directly, face to face, Bring your points. I'm sure Rudolf will answer all your points. Because Rudolf is not this kind of guy, you know. He's my friend, and he wouldn't rip off people. He would not, not his brother. So I know from Rudolf, you know, that Michael was, for example, months after months after months in the studio, in his studio. And Rudolf said, I have to charge him something for this, you know. But, of course, not the full amount. But I'm sure the two brothers can work it out if they finally get together in one room and talk to each other again. This is not the way to have a fight in public. Stupid. Yeah, I agree. I mean, listen, from yeah. from an interviewer, reporter side, it's it's wonderful <laughs> because it gives you a lot of stuff. Yes, because you need headlines. Right. But, look, but from a fan's always... perspective, yeah. you just look at it and you go, oh, come on. No, not in public. Come on. You know? you know what? It goes back, I tell you what, since we were children. I remember uh, when Rudolf told me he was an electrician, you know, when he stopped school in Skormen in Germany, you have to learn three years to become an electrician or whatever you decide to do. And Michael was a little boy of seven or eight at that time. And Rudolf went to work in the morning and they used to listen to Shadows, to Hank Marvin and stuff like this. So Rudolf said to little Michael, Pick out the guitar part in there. I like to know what he played there. In those days, there was no DVD. So Michael, perfect ears, listened to the songs. So in the evening, when Rudolf came back, he said, look, this is how Apache is played. This is how they played FBI and all the songs. And showed him on the guitar. Obviously, Michael is a brilliant technician also, which Rudolf isn't. You know, He's a great composer, a great rhythm guitar player. And so this is the thing, you know, and Michael did both, you know, as you know, you have always stolen because of being the German Wunderkind. Uh, he he then had that status until today, being the best guitar player, one of the best guitar players in the world. But to attack his brother, as, as I said earlier, is more than stupid. Yeah, it's a little silly in public. Now, I, let's let's get off of them and get into to another album. Um, here's an album that came out, I believe it was 93, 94, right? Face the Heat, the last one that you did with them. At the time, I ignored the album. I'll be very honest. It, it didn't come into my world. But in the last three years, and especially the last, like, the last month, I've been listening to it nonstop. Songs like Someone to Touch, um, Lonely Night, which is one of the, the best um, Ballads, uh, yeah, I guess we call it a ballad. Lonely Nights is such a great song. I mean, just, yeah. uh, um, but but just talk to me a little about Face the Heat because it's I wasn't the only one in '93 that that ignored it. We we you know we all have our sins in life. We shouldn't have. have no, no, this is a very simple explanation. After the huge success of A Wind of Change Worldwide and the charts and the Crazy World album of nearly selling 10 million copies alone. As you know, then we got Bruce Fairbairn, and he, the first question he asked at the time was, okay, guys, what do you want to do? You want to make another wind of change, or you want to make a rock album? And obviously, you know, Rudolf, Matthias, and, and me, we were the ones, rock album, you know. So the first song was Alienation, as you know, which was released as a single. I remember oh, my, yes. friend, my friends from the German stations <laughs> phoned me up and said, Herman, 
you just released Wind of Change. Are you sure this is the follow-up single? I said, yeah. Our producer thinks it's now crunch and bands like Nirvana around, so we need to be modern, right? The, the record company always said to us, you know, you have to go with the times. Can't you play some crunch stuff? And I said, this is not us. We melodic card program, you know. This is the next generation, you know. But anyway, we tried... And Bruce did a great job producing the album. As you notice, I haven't written on that album nothing anymore. Simply, you know, suddenly I was told that only Klaus and Rudolf right now. So I said, okay, if that's the case, then let's see what they come up with, you know. Yeah, and it's funny because you look at the uh, at the track listing and you see Schenker Mind, Schenker Mind, Schenker Mind, <laughs> and you go, okay. Um, yeah, they made, they made a new publishing deal. So then they came to me and said, look. We made a new publishing deal. They paid us a big advance. We have to pay back. We're not going to write with you anymore. And I said, well, fine. And I said, then it's time for me to leave. This was the main reason why I left. And and what was it like to, at that point, also bring in a new bass player? You have Ralph and, and you know, Riker, brought, Rikerman, I Rickerman. I it was Okay, so that, so that was good for you. Are you disappointed with that album? Or do you look back at it now and go, you know what? That no, was pretty I, good. I, I, I think the same than you. For me, it's not the Scorpion album because uh, one member is missing in there, me, you know, me with my lyrics and me with my creativity. That's completely missing in this album. And this was a major thing in Scorpions, as we all know. So yeah. I looked at it and I said, okay, they want to cut you off because they're really greedy now. They don't want to split the money anymore. Three ways to publishing. Now it's two ways only. So suddenly it's just Chenka Minor. And the way they look at the band is it's just Chenka Minor. The way they look at me and Dieter Dirks, we never done anything, you know. We are just, you know, the little drummer who played and the little producer who produced. But Schenka Miner did everything. So this is the thing, you know, pisses me off until day, you know, because I contributed an amazing amount to the band. And Dieter Dirks, I don't even know where to start talking, you know. And not to mention Dieter Dirks in any interviews and all this. I think that's more than stupid and doesn't show any respect for Dita and for me. And I think this is terrible. If you have that in your head, you know, that you think you did it all alone, then there's something wrong. Well, it, it's in fact strange that, and I, I sort of try to, I'd like to try to understand what happened because you, you look at the band and, and I'm just going to name off some it's songs. It's very here. simple. Listen, okay. it's very simple. It's called Money, okay? It's a big difference if you split $5 million two ways or three ways, okay? The difference is $1.7 million. Well, true, but if you aren't there to help them write, write you like Rock You Like a Hurricane or Make It Real or Another Piece of Meat or Falling in Love or Blackout, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be dividing $5 million. They'd be dividing $1 million. So An intelligent person would think so. But not a small-minded person. That's anyways. Now I, I I rather share a big cake five ways, a big cake, than a small cake two ways. Yeah, but it's just strange though, because I've always sort of taken the Scorpions no, and and a I'll lot of the Euro cake. European no. bands as being sort of a family, and and it's no, just strange. No, no. But money for me, the point was when that money came in, that was the end of that long friendship. That was poor greed, you know. And I, this is the thing, you know, where I agree with Michael Schenker 100%. The creed came, the friendship stopped. And this happened between the two brothers also here, you know. And this is the only comment I'm going to say about this right. whole Schenker thing. The creed even put the brothers apart. Yeah, which is, which is too bad. Now, 
You mentioned alienation as a single. Yeah. And I, I, on the single, there is a song that, that, that was released as a B-side, which I think is the greatest Scorpion song ever because it is just hil- hilarious on... on rubber, <laughs> rubber fucker. Rubber fucker. That yeah, is the greatest song ever. You wrote that. That is entirely you. Yeah. Just talk to me about that song because I honestly can't listen to it enough. I just It puts a smile on my face. Me too. Every I saw that, time. I saw that do a good singing, you know, against AIDS at the time, you know. I wanted to tell people, come on, if you fuck, you know, we are rubber, you know, we are condom. That is the message in the song. And when we wrote the song, you know, I played the song to Polygram, you know. And I remember the guy's face, you know, you can't do this, he said, rubber fucker. And then I said, look, you know, everybody it started, you know, then when people used the word fuck. I mean, when you think now and you watch it, all the rappers you know this the, fucking is a, was a, is a normal word in all of their songs you know but then you know it was explicit lyrics and the record company told me no we can't release this song and this is the song was treated like it had uh, cancer you know which is too bad because it's just <laughs> me too. my wife sings really like you claudia she says to me what a killer song i'm so sad that song got never released. And wife played a killer bass in there. I did an album before with a guitar player from England, Dave Cooper, and wife Rickerman was the bass player on that album. That's how we met. And that's how I introduced him to the band back in 93, 92. I said, I found the perfect bass player. Not only does he look a bit like Francis, he plays a killer bass and he's German. So they were all very happy when I came with that replacement. And, and, I'm gonna have to suggest that it that it be recovered by the Rock Wolves on the second album because that song. Oh, yeah. I see. That is a great idea. Yes, oh, that is such a I great like song. Mitch, fantastic idea. I yeah. gonna do it again. Yes, yeah, you have to. You have to. And I know we're gonna run out of time, so let me let me just ask about the 50th anniversary deluxe issues that the Scorpions put out in 2015. Um, yeah. There was Blackout, there was Love at First Thing. I'm just going to read them real quick. Uh, Worldwide Live, what are the other ones? Savage Amusement. Those deluxe editions, for some reason, were not released in North America, but if you can track them down and find them, the bonus material on that stuff, um, absolutely uh, fantastic. There's a yeah, song, I think so too. Uh, there, there's a song on um, Savage Amusement called uh, Taste of Love, which is an unreleased demo. I don't understand why that's an unreleased demo. That is as good or better than half the stuff on Sabbath. I mean, that is such a fantastic song. And anyway. Look, look, I tell you what, I have some songs here still, you know, from this time when we wrote together, Klaus, me and Rudy, you would die when you hear those demos. I still have them here one day. When you come to England, I will sit down with you and play them to you. Oh. You're going to say, why haven't those songs ever been released? And I can tell you why they haven't been released. Because I think that all has hangs together again with the money. Because if they would release now a song which would say, Schenker Minor Rebel, that means the publisher would then have to split with me also. So that would go against their deal again. I think, personally, <coughs> the money changed the character of the band. And I'm very sad about this because also when I watch the band now, it is not a band anymore. It is a, a few musicians who play together and play their sit-down, you know, but no emotions, no nothing. Right. And that makes that, you know. Yeah, and, 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 and I'll finish on this. Just at that time when those 
reissues came out. There were little video teasers on YouTube and other stuff where you sat with Klaus and you sat with Rudolph and, and Uli was there. And, and it seems sort of like, okay, everything's right with the world again. You know, Uli's talking about them and you're talking. They, of course, I, left course, out. We talked, when I, when the next thing I'm hearing, you know, the record company sends me all those songs, you know. And then uh, they said, we don't want you and Dieter Dirks to talk about those songs. I said, huh, what? I said, I wrote half of those songs. I wrote the lyrics. I said, you don't want me to talk about my own songs I wrote with Rudolf or with Klaus? Are you kidding me? I said, if you do this, I'm going to stop. I'm going to put an injunction on everything. It will be stopped tomorrow, you know. And I phoned my lawyer and he said, yeah, you have to write there your songs just as much as Klaus and Rudolf, so you can do this anytime. The next day, the record company says, no, don't do all this. You know, of course you can talk, uh, you can be filmed, you know, then suddenly everything was. But they did not want me on there or Dita, you know. Or they Francis. Didn't, they didn't want Francis at all, and he's yes, nowhere to be they're, found. They're, and the bullshit, you know, question, you know, if we ever had women in our career and deny this, no, we only drink milk and be good boys and go to bed at 11. What a fucking bullshit, you know. We have been a rock band. I partied every night. I fucked every night. I smoked everything, you know. And this is, I'm standing to this for the rest of my life. To deny this is more than stupid. And this is the things, you know, I don't like anymore. I like to tell people the plain truth, and I will. And then people at least know now why I left. They know the whole background. And there's no point to hold this back any longer. Yeah, I really agree. And uh, always a pleasure talking with you. We'll 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 certainly do a, another interview sh- when the new Rock Wolves comes out. And for folks who haven't heard the Rock Wolves album, it's just a fun melodic rock album. If you like the Scorpions of the '80s or the Def Leppards or your Bon Jovi's or all these bands that have fun, you know, big chorus, big hooks, check out the Rock Wolves. It's a great album. Great, great Thank album. You. Always a pleasure, Herman. My pleasure to speak soon, Mitch. Yeah, talk to you soon. Tack, or bye. Danke, I should say in, in sweet in German. <laughs> bye. Bye bye. Thank you. Download new episodes of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn every Monday at Podcast One and on the Podcast One app. Or you can subscribe at iTunes. And don't forget to rate, review, and share. Oh, brother. The reason it's called the NFL, not for long. It's sports-related with Jordan and Luke Rogers. The Chargers football is not going to work in Los Angeles. I got hit by a car on my scooter eight days before our first game of my senior year. I was out there playing. No rib strain's going to keep me out. JoJo, what is the last book that Jordan read? I think he just likes to read Twitter articles. Download new episodes of Sports Related every Friday on the Podcast One app, Apple Podcasts, or PodcastOne.com. President Trump denies it. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. President Trump denies on Twitter using vulgar language when questioning why the U.S. would accept more immigrants from Haiti and African nations. 17 dead, 43 missing in Southern California after Tuesday's heavy rain and devastating mudslides. Santa Barbara County Sheriff Bill Brown is asking people to evacuate some areas so search and rescue crews can do their jobs. It is seriously impacting the ability of search and rescue, public works, other first responders, and repair crews to 
clear roadways and to engage in search and rescue repair and damage assessment operations. Missouri Governor and former Navy SEAL Eric Greitens is now under investigation after acknowledging an extramarital affair but denying anything more, including accusations that he tried to blackmail the woman into keeping quiet. I'm Rita Foley.